everybody. Welcome back to the second episode of the season. I'm happy to be back and catching up. This week, we're tackling a lot of issues surrounding COVID-19 and our children. So we're going to catch up with our kids. And as an educator, I applaud our teachers, especially those working alongside low-income students, students with low or no resources, or students with special education programs. These students are all at a disadvantage now more than ever. However, administrators, technology specialists, and educators have been tirelessly and creatively working to keep up with curriculums, providing educational resources to all students. To talk more about this, we have with us today, Ms. Maxi Bell. She is a mother and an educator. And um, according to my mother, Maxi Bell and I are super distant cousins. <laughs> From my mother's side, we have an extremely extensive family tree, but we met just a few years ago, and I really wanted her perspective on the situation because she's both a mother and an educator. So, Maxi Vale, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm so happy to be here with you today. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you teach? Are you working from home? And tell us a little bit about it. So I teach kindergarten and I have been working from home since the first time schools shut down because They've shut down a few times and I teach at a charter school, all girls charter school in the South Bronx. I am also a mother. I have a two year old son who also works from home with me. So it's, it's been fun. Have you ever worked in a public space or only in charter? I worked in private school. I worked in an independent school and then I worked in charter. So, I mean, but charters are, well, not essentially all public so yeah no so no I've never worked at a, at a public school <laughs> so I think that uh, I mean and we can always talk about that because I, I feel like maybe you're actually no because it's South Bronx but maybe your demographic or even the resources that you have agency to use are much different than a teacher who works in in a public school no for sure for sure for sure the demographic we only have girls that live in the Bronx Mainly, I'm thinking um, so our pop, our student population uh, does represent the areas, their demographic, right? We were in Hunts Point. And, but yes, in terms of resources, I do believe that we do have a lot of resources at our fingertips um, beca- because we are a charter school where we are able to switch up our curriculum, right? You were th- talking about mm-hmm. Uh, the curriculum has been changing a lot and things have been in movement, right? It's, it's a lot more difficult to do these things in a DOE school, right? Because it needs to go through a lot of people. But charter schools have been really more fluid and trying to find curriculums and ways in which this remote setting could just like, we can close the gap during this time, right? And when I'm talking about a cap, I'm talking about the, the disparity gap, right? Because I also live in Long Island. I live in Merrick. Uh, which is like a really well-off community. My son and I, in our remote area, we're the only people of color, right? So their realities are very different to the realities of my students and and other children in in inner cities, right? Uh, So when we think about this, especially like as a charter school, we're thinking, okay, there's kids that are in pods, Mm -hmm. which which are like groups of, of kids that gather and they have a teacher, um, and the teacher teaches them here that they're not having that big gap of like, okay, you're, you're, 
not learning as much anymore and you only have this computer, right? There some schools, most schools in the area are open, which is something that inner city we're struggling on opening. So we're thinking about closing in that gap and being in a charter school, you do have more resources and more leeway, I want to say, to make those changes and kind of like do whatever you got to do. For the past couple of months, I've, I've been doing my master's in digital humanities. And one of the things that I've been focusing on is digital pedagogy. And, and a lot of the articles and things that I'm exposed to are for higher ed. And I, you know, I've taught a lot of different uh, grades, but I mostly worry about the young kids. But I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I have a I have two goddaughters, one who's in kindergarten, one who's in pre-K, and they're taking this as I like, oh, this is a, this is just the way that learning is. And my, my fear is always like, not what they're experiencing now, but how at a disadvantage students, not even maybe, maybe after like a third grader, uh, those students, how, how they're disadvantaged or not going to school or this way of learning and missing class and all these things will affect them later on. So I can't even imagine students that don't have computers, don't have access to the internet, students that needed like a special education program that are not having that anymore, how they're going to be, how, how's a 12th grader going to look like a couple of years from now? Are they going to be learning the same thing or going to be disadvantaged? So that's something that we will, we'll talk about it, but I want to, yeah. so how is it teaching virtually and what are you, what do you think are some of the biggest obstacles that teachers are facing now? So the, this kind of goes back to what you were saying, like the difference between charter and public school. I mm-hmm. do that teach at public school and the time that we spend on screen at in our school, it's, it's a lot. The girls log in, we log in at 8.30. We are on until 12. They get an hour break. And this is just a kindergarten schedule, right? Our, our older girls have fairly more mm-hmm. time or like a, a way different schedule. We log out at 12, they have lunch, and then they come back from one to two. So essentially students, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, and myself uh, were in front of the screen um, for a fairly long time. At this point in the year, at the beginning, there was some novelty to it. It was like, oh my goodness, okay, cool. Like I get to be on my tablet, what? My teacher's talking to me. And like, you know, they they were like kind of liking it, right? But it's been a year, right? And now it's it's lost a lot of its novelty, right? So as teachers, we have to find ourselves kind of like, I feel like I tap dance in front of the screen all day. like, what do I need to do to make them look at me right now? Because this friend is, I know she's on YouTube. I see the reflection on her glasses, this other friend, you know, and I, you know, you have to really think on your feet. You have to really think on your feet in a way that I, I've been teaching for six years that I've never done before. And I've, I've always been like, you know, you always got to think on your feet as a teacher, but with remote, it's like, you can lose your students in the blink of an eye. You can think you're having the best, most engaging lesson. And then there's something that throws them off and you look back at the screen and they're just all kind of doing their own thing, right? So that's been definitely like a struggle, making sure that you still have their attention and trying out new tech things, right? I've, I literally spend a 80%, 90% of my free time just trying out new apps. And oh, like there's, there's a lot of new educational apps coming up now. And I am grateful that I am tech savvy, right? Not all teachers are tech savvy. Mm-hmm. 
not all teachers are, you know, my generation, right? And a lot of teachers that I work with are from a generation where tech was not the center and of their universe, right? So they have a hard time navigating these things, having access and being able to try out new tech has really made sure that I've been able to close some gaps that there are in remote learning. Like there's an app that lets me see all of their work on the same time at the screen. However, that takes a lot of work, right? Because we have children in the South Bronx, right? Uh, Our demographic is mostly uh, Black and Latino girls. We have a lot of families who do not speak English, right? A lot of families who are not tech savvy. We have a lot of families who have their children in daycare, because they're working, right? And then we have daycare staff who are either disinterested or honestly not able to keep tabs on students being on their classes to log them in, right? They're five, they're six. If your child is on my class, is in my class and their teacher's throwing apps at them and like, <laughs> you know, and, and I totally, it's been, it's been hard for everyone, but I do feel like there's been wins. There's been wins along the way. My biggest scare in, in knowing that I was going to be remote this whole year, right, or a majority of this year was thinking that I'd look at my students and see no growth and see like we've been wasting this time. Right. I was so scared. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, but I can look at my students and see that, you know, it's it's not all rainbows and butterflies, but, you know, we're getting work done. They're 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 working hard like they're their brains are growing. They're able to do so many things that they were not able to do at the beginning of the year, not at the rate that we would have happened at school, but we're, we're, we're moving. Right. So, yeah, I, um, that's something that, um, in my, in my courses too, we're, we're learning all about open educational resources and OERs. And a lot of the focus is on older students, but there's this assumption that because they are growing up with tech, they're just automatically tech savvy. And I think you pointed out that, they're still five and six years old. Like, even though they can go on YouTube and search something, there's still a matter of like scaffolding, like the the actual like app and just learning how to use the iPad itself. Right. You know, just just to open the app, just to, and even to communicate. Assume, even assuming that all of our girls or all of our students have iPads. Right. Using or, or, or even if they did it, they know how to use it. Like, there's this assumption that's even been an assumption in school because our school does an assessment that the girls take and they take it through the, through an iPad, right? And there's an assumption that, okay, put that iPad in front of them, let them go, you know? And it, there's an assumption that, that all students have that kind of savviness. Right, that they that they know how to use it, and also that the adults that are around them also know how to use. It. Because I wasn't even thinking about students that went to to daycare. That when you know, especially because you teach the younger children, but it's true. Like even if their parents are tech savvy, if they're left with, let's say, for example, their grandparent to be right, taken care of, like that. the grandparent doesn't know how to how would it how would it go about doing it. Right. Um, and um, have you had any uh, students like really miss a lot of school because of, you know, due to the illness and also f- maybe their families are being being sick? Because I feel like once a parent or somebody in their household, it's sick, it's even of a greater challenge because it's not like they can be there to even facilitate what we were just talking about using the apps and, and all of that. And then in, do you know if and when your school will return to in-person class because I know a lot of teachers their biggest worry is that they didn't have protective personal equipment 
available for them to even, even if they wanted to, they couldn't even go into the classrooms. We do have some students in class that have missed. I'm, I'm thinking about my class in particularly that I, that concern me, right? Because they've missed a lot of the year and it's hard to control, right? When you're remote, you can call, hey, it has not been because of COVID in any of our students' circumstances. It has been because of childcare and things like that. Like, you know, um, she stays with grandma and gra- my mom does not know how to get her onto the Zoom account. She doesn't know how to log her into class. Like, I don't know what else to do, right? And you're calling these parents and you're telling them, but they're like, I'm at work and my kids are with a day, with a, at the daycare or with an elderly person who can't really assist them right now. And those have been the majority of the girls that have been struggling with attendance. And it's just been really difficult because you know that although there has been, like I said, a lot of growth, there has been girls that just have not been there. And when they are there, they're, they're five and six, right? There's some girls that don't do well being in front of a screen and participating, right? So there's there's times where students log on and all you see is their chair the whole time. No one brings them back. <laughs> like They're just there, but they're not there at all. Usually when they're in daycares. So that's something that's been difficult. Our school did, has opened up a few times. I have a remote accommodation. Um, we do hybrid. So girls that decide to stay remote, families that opt on remote, have been staying remote with me and students that have been trying to go into the building there they've been going into pods slowly our school is um, opening up again next week uh, however I'll be staying remote with my class and do you think that once you go back you will have I mean obviously it's a, it's, it's a different it's a different type of school but are you do you feel confident that they will provide you with what you need in terms of like safety and the hygiene that goes on and the, the cleaning and, and, the, and the face mask and, and everything. I know yeah. that um, for my goddaughter, I, I saw just a little bit of like what they're doing in her school and they seem very, at least, uh, at least organized. And, and there are some schools that do have that, that extra resources of hiring extra people to just check, check the temperature, to you know, have the kids put on their masks, to facilitate masks for the students and, and other protective gear for the, for the instructor as well. Um, but there are definitely other educators that I've spoken to there that I'm not going in unless they provide me with this equipment. What, what's your take on that? Well, in our school, they are being very good with things like that and very accommodating to staff that are going in from what I've seen and heard. And I know that our operations team has gone like above and beyond to like really try their best to make things that are not going to be great, are not going to be perfect, kind of the best that they can. Your your child, he's only two, so he's not in like, let's say proper schooling yet. But with everything that's that's going on, what is something that or what are some of the, the gaps and the holes that we've seen in our education system? And what are some things that you hope? To change, especially when your child goes into into school, not that far off. I do feel like the biggest gap and the reason why I got into education was like global awareness, um, particularly in inner city schools. I, I feel like I grew up um, I grew up in in Washington Heights and Dykeman um, and I was surrounded by Latinos and kind of we we learned white history in school. Like it was just there wasn't much of the world that I knew. And there wasn't much of the world that I was being exposed to. 
even living in New York, you know, like you would, it, it is a, it is a, a melting pot, but within it, that melting pot, there's a lot of like little uh, tight knit um, ethnic communities um, that I just feel like the education in all of our inner city schools needs to represent our overall demographic. It needs to represent the world that we live in. Um, and that's something that I wish and I hope that could change. I, I do want to shout out that our school has been taking strides in making those changes since I uh, first began there. I've been seeing the, uh, more inclusive and globally aware curriculum arising. Do you see like a negative impact on students that are in school right now? For example, your students, they're, they're young, they're, I mean, they're early learners, but they're still, some of them are missing classes for a variety of different reasons, or some of them are not accustomed to communicate to a screen, from, from a screen. So getting them into first grade, second grade, do you see that they will have like a harder time than students who learned in a more traditional way? And, um, or do you think that they, because they're young, particularly, they're able to kind of pick it up and kind of go with it? No, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for them um, making that transition. Um, yeah, for sure. Because I, I think about the girls uh, as a kindergarten teacher, you always get kids that went to pre-K and kids that didn't go to pre-K. Right. And, and you can see that you can see that from the beginning. Right. Not not in the way that they behave, but in their structures. Right. Like, OK, I, I can come to the rug and stick crisscross. And these are things that going into kindergarten, especially with those students that have not been to pre-K, it takes a while to pick up and it's the structure and the what it means to be in school and let's raise our hands, you know, the things that you have to drill nonstop for like the first, what, six months or more of kindergarten is something that I do believe that they're going to struggle with and with education too. Like there's been things that, that are, have been so easy to teach in person and so hard to teach remotely, right? Like the segmenting of words, like things that are fun, fundamental and so they're reading and writing at skills um, that just have not translated really well, right? Especially with writing. Most of our girls are writing on tablets, doing their homework on tablets, and that's how we see it, right? That does not translate to writing and holding on a pencil, to being able to write your words on a paper. Your teacher is not there to look at you, help you sound out words while you're writing. So something that we have that me as an educator that I've been really, really struggling with is how to bridge that gap with writing, with kindergarten as well. Definitely, and that's something um, that, that leads into my, into my other question. If you have any, um, I mean, I'm assuming that um, in all, all educators, but particularly the ones in, in for early learners, that they have these supplementary materials for their students to, to kind of practice their their words, their letters, their numbers. So do you have any recommendations for games, activities, or resources um, that parents can use to supplement their learning? Not even, because some educators maybe don't provide that, but I know, you know, for me, just because I have like, um, like my two goddaughters, for example, I'm always sending out resources to um, their, their, their parents and they are very much into like, okay, even if you go to the dollar store and there's a, a, a book on um, learning how to, you know, trace your letters or find the words and things like that, 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 that that's not even on the tablet because tablet apps are not always free. So mm -hmm. 
Um, and again, those skills do not translate. And having the kids always look at the at the tablet, I prefer them to look at like a physical book. And right. you can buy those sometimes, good ones at the dollar store. For sure, dollar um, yeah. yeah. So what what are some of so what are some of the activities or games or resources that that you think will be really great like supplement for student learning, especially early learners? Um, there's a lot of resources that I can think of. However, uh, our school has this thing called Clever Account for Students. I'm not sure if other schools have this, where they partner and, and they buy certain memberships to a lot of these resources. And then the girls all log into their Clever and they get to check out all of these apps that the school is paying for for them. I'm, I'm not sure if, if other schools are doing that too or if they have the same. Um, but if your school does and you would want to look into it, La Lilo has been great with uh, Phonics, Epic, which is free, I believe, right now for students. So they can read and it helps them. It has quizzes at the end. Uh, Raz Kids. I'm also thinking of, honestly, the the if I were to give kindergarten parents or like pre-K parents or first grade parents advice on how they can kind of like help their child at home, it would honestly be to let them struggle because I feel like that has been the hardest thing for us right now. Um, parent involvement, you know, we have parents who are not involved as much, but then we have parents who are very enthusiastic and very involved <laughs> and we love it. However, it's easy as a parent, like I'm thinking about when my son is doing something incorrectly or or like I know the answer, right? And I'm like, oh my, why is he not getting it? Or, you know, I get frustrated or I tell them the answer or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's different as a parent than an educator. I haven't gotten there yet, but I feel like I, I get them, right? I get them. I want to, I want to help. And then you, you get your, you get students homework and like, you know, this child is struggling with letter and letter sounds. And then you get the best, like what whole story about God knows. And they get real creative, like real. It's so interesting. These projects and like homework <laughs> assignments that we get from our five-year-olds and six-year-olds, like very superb. But I do feel like it's been hard, especially with writing for students, right? Because writing is something that you need to do phonetically, especially at if you're kindergarten, right? You need, in order to be a great writer, and I say this every single time and time and time and time again, all you need is confidence. When you start second-guessing yourself as a writer, writing for me, teaching a student who is not confident in writing, it's, I do it but it's like 500 times harder than the student that's like, yeah, I got this. And it's writing like letter strings and you don't know what she's writing, but she feels good about what she's writing, right? But we, we can get her there, right? But she's confident in her writing. So she's willing to listen to letter sounds and take risks and, in her writing. Especially if you're coming from a different language, because when I came here, English to me, and still to this day, the thing that I struggle with the most is it's that fact is that it's not 100% phonetical. And like there's some words that don't don't right. go with the with the spelling. Right. Um, in Spanish, it is. So I mean, there's and then you have to, you know, mix with the accent and all that. Um, which is why I think it's also really important for for students and and um, and resources that are also like bilingual, so they don't yeah, forget sure. um, there's there's Spanish. And I know that's like a separate, separate thing. But um, I, I still go with like, if I can make and not everyone is 
can do this. I have has the time to do it. Find something online that you like a, a template of, of like, let's say, for example, like tracing words or letters right. or a game. You can always implement it and do it on just your own piece of piece of paper. Not everyone is going to come out really great. But I know that um, like my cousin, like she I, I remember her doing like her own her own style of that same thing that she saw online, maybe because it wasn't free or maybe she couldn't print it or whatever the case. Yeah. I think it, it's taking a toll on parents. And that was like, leads into my question of like, what advice, what, what's the best advice you can give to stressed out parents who are working from home while also educating and entertaining their kids at the same time? Oh, when you get advice, let me know. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have... It's been a ride. It's been a ride, but I do feel like my, my son is two, right? It's not just like, oh, you have a child at home. It's like, you have a two-year-old, right? Like a toddler, toddler parents understand. It is crazy. Like they, it's not like, oh, wait, I'm working. And like I said, I'm on 8.30 to 12, have a lunch break for the girls. And then from one to two, that's a lot of hours for my two-year-old to be like figuring things out, right? I take like, we, we have two 15 minute breaks. I throw him a snack, but it, and, and we guilt trip ourselves as parents. And we're like, am I doing enough? Am I prioritizing my own child? Right. We're thinking about mental health, right? How, how mentally I'm a single mother and we're alone here. Right. So it's just me and him. So like, how healthy is it for him to be oh, alone most of the day? You know, you think about things like that and it's been really, really difficult. And I know that I'm not the only parent that feels this way parents are really struggling and we're really struggling because parents always guilt themselves kind of steering clear of that and realizing that this is hard this is crazy this is unreal like you're really doing the best that you can and there's downfalls to everything right and and there's always positives and negatives to everything right like the, the positive is you do get to spend a little more time with them and maybe you don't um but your child is home and they're safe um, and not sticking to a specific schedule. Let me, let me tell you guys. Whoa, so whoa, stressful. this is different. You said not to stick to a specific, you mean like be flexible? Yes, because when I started- schedule is everything. <laughs> when I started, yeah, when I started work, like working from home and everything, oh my goodness, I was losing my mind because it had to be, right? Because if I'm working from, let's say 8.30 to 12, I know that, okay, there's a 15 minute break that I do during like math lesson. Like I'm running, I'm going to my air fryer, putting in some things. So I click the button. So when I get back and we have that other break, I could just take the stuff out the flip, the five minute break. I could just take the stuff out the air fryer, put it in the plate in front of him. Right. And then I'm thinking, oh my goodness. So 12 o'clock is time for lunch. Right. I get an hour. When is he going to take his nap? Oh my goodness. His nap used to be at one. Now it needs to be at 12. I'm going to make it at 12. But he also needs to eat lunch before he goes to sleep because how is he going to go to sleep? <laughs> yes. Right? So you're like, oh my goodness, I have an hour. I need to feed you and get you to go to sleep because I have to be back on with the girls at one, right? So there I was shoving food down his throat. Come on, eat, let's go, you know? And he's just like, what? I haven't even seen you all day. And there's <laughs> food in my face. And I was like, all right, we got to go to sleep. You got 25 minutes to knock out. You got 25. I don't even want to hear it, you know, and, and you're stressed. And then and then one o'clock comes and you're looking and he's still up and you're like, damn it. And then you're stressed for that whole hour that you're teaching, like, oh, he's still up. So, yeah, just don't go crazy about schedules. I was just like, you know what? Que sera, sera, you know, so I just feed him his lunch at 12. And when I'm done teaching officially at two, 
you know, you're going to have to take a later nap. It's, it's all right. It happens. It's okay. Things we're flexible. We're changing. And it's just been way more chill and like better and mentally relieving for both of us. So it really- um, my advice was always like, take time for yourself, but I'm, I'm not a mother. So I, my time to myself is like, okay, well, if I'm not teaching, like you, there's somebody else to take care of the kid. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's still, and speaking about mental health, I think it's still okay to try, even if it's just five minutes, even if it's just like, you know, uh, like, I don't know, some, some people like take longer showers or like they put on makeup or something for you because you're a human being too. Like, and if you're not functioning, you can't help yeah. someone else function. Yeah. Um, so I'm always, that, that's like my, my thing, like try to find, and it's really hard, especially for single parents, because there's not the other person there that you can just like, you know, throw and pass the ball to, or, or the, yeah. you know, the kid, the ball, whatever. <laughs> and you have a, and you have a, a, a little baby still, because if, if the, if he was a little older, you could have a, like, I know some parents, they just like, oh, here's your iPad or, or whatnot which there is a completely different conversation, but, um, but at that time you still are in, an entertainer to that child. You're an yeah. educator, an entertainer, a mother, a healer. And it's so sad. Like you're teaching, like I got 25 girls on the screen and then my son is just like at my feet, like play with me, please. Family. So thank you so much for taking the time, Maxibe. I think um, you definitely hit on a couple of really great points. And I, I want to, again, extend my I, I'm, I, you know, I don't have a child in, in school, but I feel like I do because I have two goddaughters that go to school and I have a couple of cousins and, and a niece who also is going to school. Um, so I'm always like thinking of them. Um, and, and thank you to, uh, you know, educators who are basically, I mean, as much as, you know, as anybody, but I think even more so just because I have a, you know, I have a soft spot for educators it completely reworking your entire life to prepare the individuals for tomorrow. Like the, the things that you guys are doing now inevitably will affect the way that they learn how to, like we were talking about writing, reading, math, which are fundamental skills. And you're basically trying to keep saying do your own life but also knowing in the back of your mind like these these kids in the day of tomorrow whether like whatever I do today may affect how they later on learn and later on go into college and higher education if that's still a thing later on I don't know um and basically be a citizen of the world um as you were talking about being like a global citizen and and learning and knowing all of this it's really a tremendous job and I'm very grateful. And, and if anybody hasn't, you know, said anything to educators, you guys are actually, I feel like unsung heroes, apart from like nurses and, and, and healthcare workers. It's, it's really an amazing job, what, what's happening and how quickly you guys have been able to, you know, learn the technology and been able to try your best to translate that knowledge through the computer, through, a, you know, a five or six-year-old who can't even sit still uh, yet and um and reshaping their mind like this is the way that they're learning now so thank you so much and do you have anything any final words for parents educators students who may be listening or people that are wanting to be educators especially at this time i do feel like when you were saying all of that i i agree teachers were were amazing and i want to shout out educators you guys 
this has been, we know, we know this has been insane, but also families and students. It's been amazing. Like you said, five and six year olds who are learning to stay still and the way that they have pushed themselves and that they continue yearning to learn the way that Spanish speaking families who don't have all these resources, who are not being supported as much as they deserve to be, right, have stepped up and gone above and beyond. It's been beautiful to, to watch parents care like for their students' education, work alongside their teachers, to watch students yearn for an education and make this in, in this mentality of whatever it takes, like, you know, that, that has been going on with teachers, with families, with students. It's just whatever it takes. And it, I just, it's been great to be a part of this community to watch this firsthand. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening. I'm gonna put some resources uh, down below for parents and educators. And please stay tuned for the next couple of episodes, which are all going to be on catching up on this one year after or one year during, I guess, because we're yeah. still in it during this like COVID-19 pandemic. And, and again, I want to thank Maxi Bell and all the educators. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.